Part sixteen of the Blue Review, Volume One, Issue Number Two, edited by John Middleton Murray. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Galleries by Edward Marsh, Mr. Max Beerbohm's exhibition. Mr. Beerbohm continues to keep us amused. His garland was the principal boon and blessing of last Christmas and now people are four deep round his little room full of caricatures, and to see them at all one must take one's place in a queue like a first-nighter at the mouth of the pit. No one in England, except Rossetti, has reached such mastery in the two arts of pen and pencil, and even this compliment must be strengthened if we are to believe Mr. Chesterton, who has just told us surprisingly that Rossetti was only successful in both because he was not very good at either. This is the more remarkable because his method of parody and his method of caricature are so distinct. His parodies are written from within. He seems to possess his victims like the imp of some severely logical nightmare, guiding them into strangely familiar surroundings in which they remain themselves, only more so. He gets into their skins like a refined Sally Beecham and jerks them into odd characteristic attitudes. He is a hypnotist who shows us his subjects politely and cheerfully, drinking methylated spirit in the belief that it is ice-cream soda. Roughly speaking, no Max disengages himself. We have only Messrs. Blank, Blank and Blank in their habits as we know them, but a little off the rails. In his caricatures, on the other hand, he is entirely the outside observer and critic. There is far more exaggeration and distortion, and though there is equal subtlety, it is shown rather in choosing a point of departure than in keeping up a perfidiously faithful companionship. And everywhere we are conscious of Max, a grave, ironic, penetrating Olympian sprite. The exaggeration and distortion are now less pronounced than they were in much of his earlier work. His figures might still be described in the words of Mr. Rupert Brooke, straggling, irregular, perplexed, embossed, grotesquely twined, extravagantly lost, by crescive paths and strange protuberant ways, from sanity and from wholeness and from grace. But he seems to be gradually abandoning the almost purely constructive designs, of which the Lord Burnham and the Mr. Teixeira de Matos are the chief examples here. Perhaps he is leaving them to the futurists, but for whatever reason, his personages are steadily becoming more human. This is of advantage to his work in one of its aspects. There can be no doubt that he will be among the chief sources for the intellectual and political history of our time. Perhaps, by the way, he is also one of its makers. It is difficult to suppose that number 16 will not be another nail in the coffin of tariff reform or that after seeing number three, Mr. Arnold Bennett will not be shamed into finishing the Clayhanger series. But be that as it may, it is to be hoped that when Mr. Beerbohm's work is completed, it will be made the foundation of an illustrated history of England for his period, which then, thanks to his unfailing eye for the centre of a situation, and his gift for fixing it in memorably comic form, will live with incomparable vividness in the minds of a delighted posterity. From this point of view, 
it is a misfortune that among so many brilliant successes he has a certain number of notable failures in likeness lord curzon for instance lord milner mr anthony hope mr albert rothenstein and sir edgar speyer are surely almost unrecognisable a plea may be put in for the prime minister's nose mr lloyd george seems to have got mixed up with mr keir hardy and worst of all sir edward grey in the embrace of the russian bear suggests rather mr donald tovey struggling to escape from the influence of stravinsky but what are these among so many and even if there were fewer successes with individuals to set against them there would remain the types here are three groups which are miracles of various invention at work on the results of observation the colonels at the cavalry club the dons at Magdalen, and the labour members fascinated by lord alexander thin and the group of great ladies listening to mr percy granger though less individualised is an equally wonderful ensemble mr beerbohm's vision of the eighteenth nineteenth and twentieth centuries is a more transcendental example of his fine historic sense he has among his invaluable qualifications for this role of historian a sense of proportion and an instinct for greatness he may be occasionally unkind to mediocrities but never in his wildest farce does he fail to pay some tribute however mixed to a big quality in a man take the sublime absurdity of his mr balfour clasping the curves of his gradual violin while he elegantly applauds mr bonarlaw dinning on the big drum take the tortuous warped power of his lord hugh cecil take the gabriele d'annunzio with the fire of genius and poetry smouldering through the sensual vulgarity of the rastoquere perhaps the finest example is the mr john macefield towering like gulliver in his fastidious melancholy sympathy over the roofs of the slum from the lips of whose denizens he is so gravely noting down swear words for future use this is mr beerbohm's strength as an apologist conscious or unconscious that in the act of giving his man away with both hands making every point against him and surrendering all his weak places to the comic spirit he yet leaves him a great creature his technical equipment is a curious mixture there is of course a negligible sense in which he is no draughtsman he does not perhaps cannot and probably does not care to make his figures stand on their feet or sit in their chairs yet he is a master of expressive line sometimes his composition seems haphazard sometimes every touch falls into its place in a monumental design sometimes his colour is neither here nor there but occasionally as in the buffs and crimsons of the count boni de castellane it flowers into such a harmony that one almost overlooks the comic quality of the drawing a word must be said of the perfect style of his titles and legends the little imperishable niggles at the bottom of the pictures amurath and amurazel for mr balfour and mr bonarlaw is perhaps the wittiest where all are witty but wherever there is tone to be caught mr beerbohm catches it and fixes it in a sentence as in the words from a nobleman's memoirs which the industrious anonymer a gaunt bespectacled spinster is dictating in the most purely and deliciously ludicrous of the drawings to a slightly bewildered typist 
I saw a good lot of the Prince of Wales, afterwards Edward the Seventh, in those days, and I must say that a better sportsman, and I may add a better pal, never stepped in shoe-leather. I remember once, after I had been having rather a rotten day at Newmarket, that he came up to me, and, slapping me on the back, said, etc., etc. End of part 16